0: Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams. And I'm Joe Anderson. Joe, I got to tell you, I'm actually really looking forward to this discussion today. Um, Today, our guest is one of the people I respect the most in maintenance and reliability, and I'll tell you why. He's humble. He talks quiet. He speaks about leadership because he understands that's what drives results. And every time that I get the opportunity to sit with this individual, it's just a, like a pleasurable conversation that has meaning behind it. It's not, you know, it's not a bunch of BS. It's not, yeah, um, you know, it's just genuine. I the the integrity that he exudes and everything he does is really impressive. And and one of the people that in this industry I idolize and and try to emulate. I'm talking about none other than the one and only Tom Moriarty. Tom, welcome.
1: Oh, well, wow. thank you very much. I appreciate that, George. And, uh, no
0: uh, worries. So let's give a, a quick introduction. Tom uh, Tom is currently uh, President of, at Allida uh, Maintenance Engineering Reliability Inc. He founded this, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this company in two thousand four. Its mission is to help others lead full and satisfying lives through organizational reliability and productive leadership. We're going to have a lot of talk about productive leadership. Uh, Tom's also obviously a member of SMRP. He's a CMRP since 2003. Um, He's the current government relations committee chair and a board member for the Florida chapter. And just lots and lots of acronyms and accolades. Welcome, Tom.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome.
0: So, Tom also, by the way, just released a book recently. I, I guess yeah. maybe maybe two months ago. I, I, you know if I if
1: no, it was uh, the published date is actually in twenty twenty. I actually oh, completed it, it in uh, twenty nineteen, but uh, you know with COVID and all that stuff, it was uh, <laughs> it's been a little diluted. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I got my hands on a copy um it's unsigned so i'll have to bring it to the next conference um but it you know it it's it's really good it's called the productive leadership system uh so talk to us about what what that is
1: okay so uh, I, I guess the the reason that i got into the book is that uh when i first got into smrp uh the first conference i went to i looked at you know the the five pillars and i was scanning through the presentations that were happening And there were very few, I I don't think there was anything on organization and uh, leadership. And that was in 2002. Uh, So in 2003 and ever since, I always tried to present a paper, uh, a presentation or a workshop that had to do with leadership because uh, in our industry, when we're trying to get something done, uh, leadership is at the center of it. Um, when, When I started out in maintenance and reliability i used to think that there were really four levels of things to deal with Um, the first being things like uh, hierarchy criticality configuration management that then would lead into the second thing which was uh, having a good work management process and then getting into equipment uh, reliability strategies and then having a continuous improvement piece to keep improving all four of those Uh, But what I quickly started seeing uh, when I started in the consulting world was that uh, lots of times uh, a a change management process would be put into place. You'd have the J curve, you know, the whole thing about the valley of despair and then going up to uh, increasing performance. But then over the next 18 months to two years, after you achieve high levels of performance, there would be a steady decline. And most of the times I'd go into a a plant and we'd be doing a, uh, you know, reliability project to put in a work management system or whatever it might be. And I'd ask them, hey, have you tried this before? And invariably, yeah, three years, five years, seven years ago, we had another consulting company in here doing the same thing. And, you know, we're just hoping we do better this time. Well, I started peeling back the onion uh, as to why that occurs, right? And it's not unique to maintenance and reliability. It's in every organization uh, and in every uh, career field within every organization. And so it's not unique to maintenance and reliability. So I started peeling back the onion and I started thinking about my history in the Coast Guard and in leadership uh, as I came in as a 17-year-old and you know went through 41 years old, uh, seeing all of the good and bad about leadership. Uh, I started thinking about what is what are the differences between good and bad organizations and leader leadership wise. And what I really came down to is that there are um, a series of things. Right. So it's like anything in root cause. It's never just one thing. Um, so within the leadership side of things, the first thing is that there's no system that supports productive leadership or good leadership um, through accountability. So a lot of organizations have a hierarchy, they have you know, uh, policy documents that says who's accountable for what, but there's no follow through on it, right? There's no, um, there's no consequence for not being accountable. So uh, the first thing I set out to do was to set up a system that assigns accountability um, at every level of an organization. Um, the second thing is leadership capability. So for the individual leader, um, there has to be uh, a more comprehensive training curriculum, right? So the the general thing that happens is, uh, you know, uh, uh, an operations manager, maintenance manager goes to the HR director and says, look, we're having problems with leadership. I want you to find some leadership training. So what ends up happening is that HR director starts looking around, and they select what I call the glossiest flyer lowest cost index, right? So they <laughs> look somebody local that, you know, maybe the week before they were training a supermarket leadership course or, you know, at a, at a bank. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that uh, because leadership, true good leadership is applicable across any community of practice. But the problem is that they end up going to the Holiday Inn Express, and you spend a half a day or a day, and you talk about communication, time management, empowerment—you know, handful of leadership skills. But the problem is, once you get done with that leadership course, you go back to your organization and you try to apply what you learned. And I call it being absorbed by the blob, right? Because that—the system that you go back in and you try to apply those leadership uh, skills in hasn't changed, that system hasn't changed. The same time pressures, you know, uh, uh, inability to do things is still there and that's the system. So that's why we wanted to first address having an organizational reliability model. And that organizational reliability model is the thing that works across each level of leadership. And in a little bit, I'll go into more detail on that, but um, that's the first piece. The second piece is that um, the productive leadership model is how you deal with the individual leadership capabilities. And as I said, you know they, we teach leadership skills in these holiday and express courses. Um, but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more to individual leadership. And so within the productive leadership model, I talk about the individual leader themselves how they need to want to be in a leadership position, uh, and they should have a personal mission, vision, value, and objective set that aligns with where they are now and where they wanna be in the future. They should not just learn those leadership skills. Those are important, they're, they're important, but not uh, sufficient. You also need to understand leadership attributes, uh, which is how you are how you express yourself um, and then also your leadership roles where, okay, so I I have managed my time, that's one of the leadership skills is time management. But once I get control of time management, where am I applying my, my, uh, my time. So there's five leadership roles that a leader should be applying their time in. Um, and there's a couple of other um, places where they can, they can and should be spending time. But as a leader, there's five leadership roles. Um, then there is, um, a, a individual leader needs to understand what their sources of power are. How do they, so one of the characteristics or attributes of a leader is to be assertive, right? To be attentive and to be assertive. So they need to know what their sources of power are in order to be assertive. And there's two sources of power. One is position power. Um, and so that's the authority delegated to you by higher Positions within the organization. But the more important one is personal power. And that's how you're perceived by other people, how other people will allow you to influence them. Right. And that's what we, that's where a uh, productive leader wants to be dealing with, dealing from. Okay. But there are certainly situations where you have to apply position power um, because it's, you know, something people don't want to do, but they have to do it, those sorts of things. And there's good and bad ways about going about doing that too.
2: Well, Tom, um, let, let's uh, let's break down this system a little bit, mm-hmm. if you would. Uh, you start out um, with the productive leadership policy. Oh yeah. Um, when you develop this policy, w- what are you looking for in an in an effective policy? Yeah, so
1: um, there's quite a bit to it, but um, essentially, what the productive leadership policy is is we want the senior most person in the organization to sign this document to promulgate it. And we want to have within that document, number one, our policy is to have productive leadership as our means to manage and lead this organization. And so within that, once you make that statement, then we have to make sure that we put in place the organizational reliability model so that we're assigning accountability we also want to define all of these leadership capabilities, not just leadership skills, but the entire productive leadership model. We also want to define how and when we're going to train leaders. And and what I would say too is prospective leaders, right? So in a work center, you might have 10 people and maybe two of those people um, within the next two or three years Are being groomed to take a a supervisor position. So, we want to train those people before we put them into a leadership position because we don't want to put them in there, have them make a bunch of mistakes, and then go, oh, yeah, well, here's some leadership training. No, let's set them up to be effective from day one. And so, those are the types of things that go into the policy. Oh, and the other thing is what's included in that. Uh, productive leadership training, right? So it's not just skills. It's all those other things that I, I talked about.
2: So when you go to the highest level leader and have them sign this policy, by signing it, are you meaning permission? Or are you expecting engagement? Uh, I'm not quite from clear what
1: you're asking there, Joe. From, from this
2: that? leader, from the leader that's actually signing the policy, right? Yeah, so a lot, a lot of people go and have a policy signed thinking that it grants them permission to do whatever, but there's no engagement from the leader that signed it in the policy itself. It's basically just saying here, uh, yeah, I approve, go do whatever versus having, you know, like in more executive sponsorship role, um, where mm-hmm. they're actively engaged in the process.
1: Yeah. So, um, Great question, Joe. And so the first thing, and I'll tell you, is that when I put these two models together, I had two different scenarios in mind. One scenario was the perfect world, where you have the senior-most person in the organization or at the plant to be the person that puts this policy in place, and then that person is attentive and accountable and assertive to make those, his direct his or her direct reports and their direct reports on down the chain to comply with the policy right that's kind of the perfect world right the other category that i thought about when i was putting these models together is that somebody is say a maintenance manager so they're you know uh, maybe uh, they, they have a, a segment of the plant that they're accountable for uh, the personnel that they're accountable for but maybe they don't have the support of the plant manager Or maybe they're a supervisor and they don't have the support of their manager. Mm -hmm. I wanted the model to be able to work for that individual trying to establish productive leadership within their sphere of influence.
2: Right. Right? That's kind of why I asked the question because at different levels, there's different levels to things in an organization, Mm -hmm. but realistically to get top, top leadership actively engaged is Mm -hmm. very, very rare. Sure. I believe. And it's difficult, especially if you're a supervisor, even a maintenance manager, wanting to push an initiative like this within the facility.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so uh, part of when I talk about uh, there was a couple other pieces of the productive leadership model I didn't get to, but uh, they are influencing others and in setting goals. Okay, so those are the two tail ends of that model, and that kind of dovetails into this. So if I'm, let's say, I'm a uh, a maintenance manager. And I'm trying to establish we're in chaos or reactive maintenance mode. And I'm trying to establish control, i control and stability. I'm trying to put a process in place and hold people accountable to the process within my group. But because I'm allowing others' groups to put in work requests, I need them to comply with my policy. I need them to put in, say, a work request that includes the name of the person submitting it, what asset it's on, um, uh, what's the nature of the problem, uh, you know, uh, maybe five or six pieces of information that need to be on that work request. Right. Well, if I'm the maintenance manager and I own the CMMS, what I do is I put in restrictions on that input table, right? So you cannot submit a work request without having those five or six pieces of information. Now, I can do that because I am controlling the work management process. So if there's inputs into that process, I can require how you put that information in. The operations manager should agree with it, but if he or she does or doesn't agree with it, it doesn't matter. At my level, I'm establishing control and stability. I am putting this system in place. Um, So in my experience, I will say this, when I was in the Coast Guard, I did this multiple times where i was a, a work center supervisor a manager or a director or some other position where i required people using my services to put in their requests a specific way and i held my people accountable to you know go through the process the correct way um, and so once you do that your peer organizations start looking at you and going well wow, you guys really got your stuff in one sock this is this is really you guys are looking good. How do you do that? Well, I'll be happy to show you, you know, and you give them coaching so you can affect your uh, subordinates, the people that report to you, but you can also affect your peers. And if you get the great business case that tends to come out of getting control and stability, now you have more influence with the superior, the person that you report to. And so, uh, you know, everybody, everybody has an opinion about top down or bottom up. I say it can be either way. It's tougher to go bottom up, but if you don't have a top down that's viable, then you sh- you should and can do what you can do at your level. Right. I think, Tom, it,
0: for for me, most of the time, it's 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 not top or bottom for me. It's in and then out, right? Like you, you've got to create your own bar and your own set of expectations and lead yourself and then hold that accountability in that bar to your immediate circle of influence
1: and radiate from there. Right. So absolutely. Which is exactly
0: what you're describing, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and so if we really dig into these two models, the organizational reliability model and the productive leadership model, here's, here's the key. You have to set direction and requirements, direction and requirements are your anchors. And when I say direction, that's, this is now organizational not the individual but this is the organization's mission vision values and objectives that's direction where 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 are we wanting to go right and then requirements are guidance and assets and when i talk about guidance guidance is policies plans processes procedures and measures that's the how do we get there right and the the assets are the things that you need to carry out guidance and so Within the organizational reliability model, the senior person at each level is accountable to provide direction and, and requirements. And the subordinate person or junior person at each level is accountable to carry out or execute current requirements with current assets. And I'll talk about the term current in a second. Um, and they are also that junior person is also accountable. To identify strengths and weaknesses that the senior person then uh, is accountable to address. Okay, now when I say current assets and current requirements, the senior person can provide requirements, right? They can provide this is what this is how we want things to go. In my example earlier, I'm a maintenance manager. I've set up a good work management process. That's my process. That's what that's what we want you to do. And we're giving you the software, we're giving you a planner scheduler, we're giving you, uh, you know, um, most of the things that you need to carry it out. But at, at that junior level person, I'm a supervisor now at the junior level, and I'm, I have this process. But what you didn't provide for me was a good uh, storeroom. I don't have, there, there's no control of the storeroom. So when my planner is trying to, you know, uh, identify what parts or special tools or mobile equipment or whatever, we don't have control of that. So that's the current guidance and the current assets. There might be a difference between what the senior person specified and what the junior person has available. And that's why that junior person also has the accountability to notify the senior person when there's a deficiency or discrepancy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a circular thing. There's accountabilities on both sides. So you can't you can't just say, well, uh, you know, I, I gave you a work management system that's in the software that the vendor provided with a template. Okay, but that doesn't work. <laughs> so we have to, you know, we have a discrepancy there. So that's a weakness. That weakness goes back up to the senior person to solve, and it goes to the senior person because they are senior in the chain of command. They are senior. And they are the ones that can allocate the resources to be able to deal with it.
0: All right, Tom. I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this podcast is called Practical Reliability. So, we're going to ask some questions about practicality and and how you align your methodology to the needs of the everyday, right? So, sure. So, I'm I'm responsible for reliability of my plant, and you know, you brought up earlier you know, I need a hierarchy. I've got to figure out how critical things are. I got to put a strategy in place and I got to figure out how to execute against that strategy. That's the typical recipe that falls on its face over and over and over again because of the intangibles that it misses. And because of things like leadership and people and training and all the things that aren't necessarily um, understood within that recipe. How do you create the link or or if 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 you're giving advice to the people that are going, well, you know, crap, I, I still have crappy PMs, I can't work on leadership. How do you prioritize leadership in your in in your approach and what advice can you give to folks in terms of what success looks like if they either put the leadership piece in play first or work on something like their asset hierarchy?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) that's a great question. Uh, So here's my take on it. Remember, I talked about those four things, right? Uh, Hierarchy, criticality, configuration management, then work management system, then uh, equipment reliability strategies and continuous improvement, right? All of that depends on having good leadership in place. And when I say leadership, that's not, I'm not, I'm not talking about the classical term leadership where, We're just talking about somebody that's exhibiting leadership skills. I'm talking about productive leadership. I'm talking about making sure that that individual leader. So if I'm the reliability uh, manager and I'm tasked with putting a reliability program in place and I'm a peer of the maintenance manager and a peer of the operations manager, I need to get my so in order for a reliability program to be successful, I have to get those two on board with me and be able to you know, influence them to, to see the light and do all those things, right? So remember when I talked about the capabilities of a productive leader, one of those was influencing others. Another one was time management, right? Another one was empowerment. All those, so all these different elements, square that away for yourself first, understand where you are, work on your weaknesses, because without understanding how do you influence others, uh, you'll probably miss the boat. You'll probably say something wrong uh, or do something in an order that does is not helpful for you to influence your peers. So understanding the first thing then is to understand where you're at and to work on those deficiencies that you have that are important for the mission that you have. Okay? So remember I said direction is mission vision values and objectives of the organization. So uh, within your reliability program, what are your objectives? My objectives are to have operations and maintenance work together to understand reliability best practices, and then put in the structure that allows us to gather data, do analysis, and make sure that we put in the right condition monitoring programs. We're using the analysis and all those things the way that we should. Again, the leadership capability Productive leadership is foundational to all of this. So if I understand uh, my leadership attributes that, and those attributes, there's five of them and it spells karma, right? So it's to be consistent, attentive, respectful, motivational, and assertive. So if I work on myself and I, I understand how to do those things and anybody can learn these, that's again, with all of my models, with all of the things I'm training, anybody can learn these things. Uh, doesn't matter what your personality is. You can be a type A, a type B. You can still be consistent, attentive, respectful, motivational, and assertive, right? Um, I then need to know where am I going to allocate my time based on lead, my leadership role. So if I'm the reliability manager, uh, there's five leadership roles, uh, expert technician, uh, manager, administrator, coach, systems thinker, and visionary. If I'm the reliability leader I want to spend no time being a technical expert. I have people that are technical experts. Um, I want to spend most of my time, uh, there's going to be some administration and management that goes along with my position, probably on the order of 30 or 40% of my time. I'm going to be a coach because I need to coach my peers, and I need to coach those that are reporting to me um, on the things that I'm expecting of them. Systems thinker, I want to spend a good amount of time doing that, right? That's how do we improve processes and procedures, right? Of our internal processes and procedures. So if you think about strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, strengths and weaknesses are internal to the organization or to that work group. And opportunities or threats are things that come from outside. So systems thinker is working on those things that are internal to my group. And uh, visionary, the fifth and final uh, focus area. That's working. That's looking ahead, looking at things outside of my organization that may be impacting my organization. And as a reliability leader, I should probably be spending five percent of my time looking at those things. What's coming? What are technologies that are that are coming uh, that might help us to do things better? Um, what economic or or uh, you know regulatory things are coming down the tr- down the uh, track that. I need to be aware of and position the organization for, right? So this is to answer your question. I know I'm being long-winded here, but to answer your question, yeah, you need to do this foundational productive leadership stuff so that you're more effective at being able to get the reliability program into the objective, meet the objectives that you're trying to get.
0: What always interests me, Tom, is that people say that they have to, you know their challenge is the culture within their facility, whether it's at the leadership roles or at the shop floor. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that's a challenge. The reason that's a challenge is there is a system at play and a leadership style at play that has become the norm. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you start to look at things like your productive leadership system, and you and you start to to develop that for yourself and raise your own bar and exude your influence on others. What you're trying to do basically is create the new system that will be difficult because leadership changes all the time. And when they come in, they usually, you know, throw some TNT on the floor and your reliability program starts over.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What you're trying to do is create that system in place, not only procedurally, but through that influence and that culture, to make it difficult for leadership changes and business changes to impact your system, right? Or your way or methodology of, of conducting Correct. business from a reliability perspective.
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So it, that's, a, that's I've never really thought of it that way, but <clears> that is, that is true. Um, when I think about culture and I put this in the book, um, culture, uh, culture is what most people do most of the time. Okay. And what, what people do are behaviors. So if whatever behaviors we want, we have to define what those behaviors are. We have to tell people what those behaviors that we want them to do are. Right. So then if you get those behaviors often enough, what, what we call forming a habit, right? So if you, if you, consistently perform a behavior often enough it becomes a habit and when most people have the same habit that's what the culture is okay and i this is why i put chapter two in the book one of the reasons i put chapter two in the book and chapter two is all about the human brain how does our how do we learn how do and i did and so that was for two reasons number one i wanted leaders to understand how the human brain works to develop habits because we want to form the correct habits right and the second reason i put it in there is because i wanted leaders to understand that they can learn and their people can learn our uh, the human brain is an amazing thing and it allows us to learn throughout our life even when you're an old guy like me you can still learn new things right so you mean
2: uh, we're born with those skills
1: too we were not born we were We were born with the hardware that <laughs> allows us to learn, and that hardware is with us for our entire life. And, uh, and, and so basically, and I talk about the four different ways how we turn. So short-term memories have to be converted to long-term memories because it's long-term memories that our behaviors are based on. Other than reactions like pulling your hand away from a hot stove, something like that, right? But if you're trying to learn uh, policy, plan, processes, procedures, and measures, right? The guidance, we want to set up guidance that we want people to follow. So in order to learn that, you have to introduce it into their short-term memory. And then you have to use one of four ways to lock that memory in um, to create a a long-term memory. And that's space repetition. Um, And there's two different ways that you use what's called pattern hooks, which are, you know, putting yourself into a similar situation um, as what the situation you're trying to learn, or uh, engaging multiple senses, right, so engaging your sight, your hearing, uh, your touch, like learning to drive a car, right, you got all these different senses that are going on, so it's easier to learn. Um, and then the fourth one, which I don't recommend in an industrial setting, is uh, a catastrophic event or a, 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 an emotionally charged event, like seeing somebody fall off a scaffolding or uh, you know, witnessing a car crash, those sorts of things. That tends to lock things into your memory. So the, the vast majority of times, we're going to be using uh, spaced repetition. So this is, again, part of the organizational reliability model. How do you get people to follow and create a culture? you tell them what you want to do by putting in place guidance, you uh, do space repetition, you show them what you want, and then you watch them demonstrate it a few times, then they demonstrate it on their own, and then they lock it into their their, uh, long-term memory. Long-term memory, once you do it often enough, that forms a habit. Once enough people have the same habit, it forms a culture, right? So it's everything I did in the book, I try to base on you know, brain science or, uh, things that are on a solid foundation. So hopefully that, that resonates.
0: Well, I, you know, for me, the book is, is really well-structured. I think it flows nicely. Um, it, it's concise yet explains things in, in good detail. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so a, anyway, I'm, Tom, we're kind of wrapping up here. So why don't you walk us through some plugs? Who are you working with? What conferences are you going to be at? Where can people find your book? That type of stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, fantastic. Thank you for that opportunity. Uh, first, I'd, I'd like to say that I'm I'm uh, kind of pulling back a little bit. I'm no longer doing very large projects. I, I will still do coaching uh, and do some projects on uh, things like uh, RCM or uh, putting in place a, a good work management process. Uh, but I'm not doing like multiple consultants for a year and a half kind of thing. Um, I'm happy to coach individuals. Um, Through that process, Um, but I'm more mostly doing things now with uh, productive leadership, uh, trying to help individual leaders as well as organizations to get their arms around, uh, you know, doing organizational reliability and doing the right leadership capabilities through productive leadership. Um, I also uh, have a couple of partnerships. Uh, I'm with uh, Mobius Institute now because I really like their uh, online and uh, in-person training courses. I've gotten their uh, asset reliability practitioner uh, uh, A, E, and L certifications, ISO certifications. uh, And I'm available to train their courses. And if you need uh, one of their courses, you can contact me and I can help you uh, get set up for that. Uh, Nicola Labs is another one. Uh, they are uh, have remote uh, wireless vibration temperature and vibration sensing, um, long-lived uh, batteries in their sensors, magnetic mounts uh, with cloud-based uh, analysis and reporting. Um, so I think it's a, a tremendous um, technology that they have. And uh, so I've been introducing that into some organizations as well. Um, generally uh, I'm going to be putting together some public courses. I'll be teaching a one-day productive leadership related course at the SMRP annual conference in October. I have a bunch of things going on here in the state of Florida with the SMRP chapter. Uh, And uh, that's about it for now, Uh, but I'm always looking for opportunities. If there's anybody out there that would like me to come to their plant and to do a uh, one or two-day productive leadership course, uh, or if they'd like to, if they've got a group of folks like at an SMRP um, uh, chapter, if they'd like me to come out and do a course, um, always happy to do that. So thanks for that opportunity.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tom Moriarty's our guest today. It's been an absolute pleasure to to talk to you, Tom, as always. And uh, Joe and I can't wait to see you uh, at at a future conference.
1: Okay, fantastic. And oh, and of course, they can buy my book on Amazon or uh, uh, get it directly from Industrial Press.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, For Joe Anderson, I'm George Williams. This is Practical Reliability.